What are the secrets of those extraordinary individuals that have achieved extraordinary success? Listen to their stories, discover their knowledge bursts, make those connections. Get ready. It's time to start moving forward. John Lim here. We've got a great episode today. Samantha Alvarez, sales coach, entrepreneur, digital nomad, polyglot, and nurse practitioner. Wow, what a great combination. Samantha focuses on helping people achieve sales goals through better relationships and mindfulness. You can learn more about her work at samalvarez.com. How are you today, Samantha? I am doing just great. And there's also a partridge and a pear tree on that list somewhere. (laughs) Absolutely, as we've got the holidays coming up. And uh, (laughs) Samantha, this is a great gift, having you on the show. You have such an interesting background, and I really am excited to share that with our listeners. So tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. I mean, you do so many things and have done so much. You know, it's always a hard story. It's hard to choose which... What, what part of the story to yeah, talk absolutely. to people about, but I'll, I'll, I'll do the, the short version. I uh, uh, grew up in Wisconsin. I got my first taste of travel when I was 12, mm. when my uh, international travel, when my uh, seventh grade Spanish club went to Mexico and I said, I want to learn that language and I want to do culture and language stuff. Mm-hmm. So I did studied Spanish all the way through school, went to, went to school for Spanish as well for college. Um, Finished school and ended up in uh, nursing for a while. I did nursing for a couple of years um, because I liked that I was able to travel doing it. You need it all over the country. Um, I was traveling internationally a lot at that point, but it was only in between um, times when I could could make it happen or ever on my job, right? Um, I actually dropped out of nursing school partway through because I couldn't pay for it and took mm-hmm. a job in IT because I also ha- I have three bachelor's degrees and a master's degree, if that doesn't confuse things even wow. more. Um, so I have a degree in IT, and I managed to put it to use by getting employed by the university, and then they paid for the rest of my uh, education. Um, then I went to medical school in Cuba for six months. That's a bit of a story. Ran away to come back to, do, to the U.S. to do a uh, nurse practitioner. Oh, so I studied God. to be a nurse practitioner for three years. And then I went to practice as a nurse practitioner for about five years in Tucson, Arizona. Absolutely loved it. Burned out so bad I could hardly get out of bed in the morning. Oh, wow. And uh, that's what launched me into digital nomad life. So that was about four years ago. And, and explain for our listeners, what exactly does that entail? I love, I love the fact that that's on your website. You are a digital nomad. Explain for our listeners exactly what that is or what that entailed for you. I am a digital nomad, and it, it means different things to different people. Um, like the the kind of popularized meaning for it is the sexy laptop lifestyle, mm-hmm. where you make like a gajillion dollars a month by just <laughs> sitting on the beach in Thailand, sipping a sipping a mai tai and refreshing your bank balance to watch it go up a thousand dollars every minute. Right. right. Um, but the truth is that the beach is hot and sticky. Everybody else is in the water. You're still staring at your laptop five hours later. Trying to get a Wi-Fi uh, signal. <laughs> there's no money coming in. There's no Wi-Fi. The stupid sand gets in your laptop, and it's really annoying. And so the real deal is Digital Nomad is a lifestyle choice where I work. I, have a, I work for a number of different companies online. I do freelancing work. I work in sales. I do coaching. Um, it's It's a... It's a type of entrepreneurship where you marry not only doing different businesses all the time, but also in different places. Mm. So as a digital nomad in the past four years, the digital is because I work on my computer and the nomad is because I move around so much. So I've lived in I, something like 30 countries in the, in the past. No, I'm sorry. I've visited 30 countries in the past four years oh, and lived in about a dozen of them 
all while working from my laptop. And that sounds very sexy. And, and it is like, there's a lot of really cool things about it. But the truth is I was working 10 hours a day, six to seven days a week for most of that time. Yeah. So I'm in Budapest. Yeah. And I got to go out like three nights in like three months. <laughs> wow. Well, Samantha, you mentioned that you were burning out as a nurse practitioner. So how did you, I mean, what made you decide to transition into digital nomad? I mean, that's not something that you hear every day. That was not my conscious choice, to be honest. My conscious choice was I saved up a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. I had a nice, you know, six-figure job where I was really respected. And I knew I needed to leave. And I was I was really not happy with the person I was becoming based on the increasing size of my ego because everybody treated me like the doctor. Yeah. I did not like that. Yeah. Um, I loved having the impact and helping people, but you know, people constantly deferring to me. And I'm, I, I, I mean, in some respects, like I have to be in charge. If I say this needs to happen, don't ask me about it. Just do it because that means that, you know, somebody, you know, is, needs to get taken care of and I'm in charge. Um, but that started bleeding over into my regular life and, um, friends and, and family and things don't like it when, when you act like that. And I didn't like it either. So my goal was to totally, uh, reconnect with humility. And so I decided to move from the U.S. to Japan mm. and learn Japanese. Wow. I'd be a student on a, <laughs> on a rice paper, tatami mat floor with three Vietnamese girls for six months. And I absolutely loved it. Wow. Oh, man, no private amazing. space, no private time, learning Japanese all day, every day. I was like, this is great. But now I have to go back to the real world. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to. <laughs> So I searched for alternatives and found out about the digital nomad lifestyle possibility, got myself a job, a couple of jobs actually, teaching online and doing sales. And that's what launched me into digital nomaddom. Yeah, that's fantastic. And actually, I should point out to our listeners, I'm so glad that we have you on today because you are, as of the recording of this interview, you're about to, to travel again. So uh, as I understand it, you're going to Bangkok? I am. I'm leaving Lisbon for Bangkok in three three days. Oh wow! And is that where is that where you are right now? I I'm so curious as to where you're actually because I, I don't think we we got a chance to talk about it. Where are you actually right now as of this interview? I am in Lisbon, Portugal, in a co-working space in the central part of town. Oh, that's fantastic! I, you know, for a second, because of the the noise, I thought you might be in a coffee shop. That's what I was. That's what I always <laughs> picture with digital nomads. So. Oh, you know. Usually I can find a quieter space than this, but, you know, life happens. Yeah, Usually no, by this, because it's, you know, it's pretty late in the evening now. Usually by this point, people have pretty much quieted down, but, you know, it happens. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, actually, I love the fact that it adds a little bit of the ambiance for the fact that you are a digital <laughs> nomad. So you could, and, and for moving forward listeners, I think that's, that's really, really cool. Just the idea that this is possible, that it can be done. But Samantha, continue with your story and tell us how you got into coaching and consulting on sales. So I worked in sales for about two years mm -hmm. and loved it. And I had no experience in sales previously. I thought it was kind of yucky. Turns out that I absolutely loved it. Wow. And after two years, I started coaching other people doing it and loved that even more. I started doing some consulting. I started doing some coaching. And as of a couple of months ago, I have been drawn further and further and, and aligning more and more deeply with um, my purpose of coaching other people, not even just in sales, but I'm looking into now I've, I've started coaching people, primarily women and entrepreneurs, because that's who I tend to connect mm -hmm. with the most on uh, 
relationships, mindset, and money. Yeah. Uh, they're all about really difficult, difficult questions that are awkward to talk about. And once we get uncomfortable, I get excited. Mm, it's kind of crazy. I mean, did you ever picture that this is what you would be doing, though, when you were growing up? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you Not even know this was even possible? I was a nurse practitioner. And the hardest part about leaving to living, I lived in Japan for six months mm-hmm. with like nothing. Like yeah. I had, um, I mean, I had money, but I basically lived with almost nothing and went to school and just like gave up everything I had, my income, my friends, my family. I was a 14 hour time difference between where I was. And I started over completely from scratch, which frankly did not phase me because I've done that a number of times in my past. But even amid all of that, the very most difficult part of that change was giving up my identity as a nurse practitioner. Mm, yeah, That was the number one most difficult thing to give up. Yeah. And how did you, I mean, how did you make that transition? You know, I, I was very conscious of it. I knew six months before uh, I was, I knew six months before I quit that I was going to quit. And I have to give, as a, as a nurse practitioner doctor, um, because of some different laws, uh, I have to give three months notice before I can leave. So this is not like a two weeks hand and you notice kind of right. thing. It's tell them in January and April, you're still working. Um, talking to patients because you can't, uh, they call it patient abandonment. Like you just can't do that. You can't just close up shop. Um, So it took quite a bit of time for me to leave. And I spent a good amount of time listening to my intuition and sitting, being quiet with myself about what am I doing? Who am I? If this is not who I am because I'm burned out and I don't want to do this, certainly not full time and certainly not right now. Like who am I? And that's once I left and was able to kind of clear out all the garbage in my head for the first month or two of being in Japan, then I was really able to just be present with myself and, and sit, sit quietly and, and, and just be, instead of trying to do this and this and this, I was able to just be and realize like, okay, what is it that's my core value? What is it that's really meaningful to me? And how do I recreate that in this new, okay, like I want to do this travel and working life thing. Like it's kind of new and I don't really know what's going on, but I want to keep doing it. And so I'm going to keep doing things over here. But I spent, my gosh, at least six months um, grieving the loss of that identity. Yeah. It was imagine, it easily so, I, I imagine the three months leading up to your departure must have been very difficult as well. Miserable. Yeah. Absolutely miserable. I had to tell all of my friends because of course I worked 80 hours a week, a hundred hours a week as a nurse practitioner. So most of my friends were related to my work. Sure. I had to tell most of my friends that I'm leaving and no, I'm not going down the street where my patients can see me. I'm going to Japan. Like nobody's going to be able to talk to me and I'm terrified. And then after the first month we had to start telling the patients and that's when the wailing and the gnashing of teeth started happening. I was one of the only bilingual practitioners in Tucson, which as you can imagine, an hour from the border with Mexico is huge for bilingual practitioners. And there was, there was a lot of grief that happened in those three months. I I can't imagine. Well, Samantha, let's talk a little bit about that because that can be a very difficult transition, especially when you are, when you've spent all this time, you've, you've obviously worked very hard. You went to school, you've built up a, a, a very, very successful career, but then at the same time you were burning out and you're making this very difficult transition. I imagine that must've been a very difficult period in your life. So what did you go through with that? Let, let's explore that a little bit. I mean, what were some of the 
difficult moments that you went through as you were transitioning out of one life into something completely different? Oh, that is a, that is a meaty question, John. That's a good one. <laughs> so the uh, leading up to it, when I was deciding whether or not to do and what, um, was a very, uh, not so much introspective time, but desperate. Hmm. Um, so the reason I decided to leave practice was because as a last-ditch effort to keep my job, I took a two-week vacation, which I had never done as a nurse practitioner. They didn't have anybody who could... Um, cover me while I was gone. Mm -hmm. And I took a two week vacation and they got this guy to cover for me. And uh, when I came back from vacation, I came back to one patient who had a broken arm for three weeks that hadn't been taken care of. There was a patient with thyroid cancer that had not been taken care of, Mm. who then died from the cancer. Uh, There was a patient with abdominal cancer who had not been taken care of because this person who was covering for me refused to do any work other than be in the in the room and talk to the patients and i i just i was just done and i felt desperate yeah how do i get out of here what do i do so i made the decision i'm gonna leave i spent about a month figuring out where to go i settled on japan and japanese language because i'm a language geek as well Mm -hmm. and it was a culture i was interested in um after i decided where i was going i went into a high energy really intense work mode i actually wrote a book during my last three months of practice mm-hmm. as an 80 hour a week nurse practitioner. And oh my gosh, I just went into hyperactive, fix everything, do everything mode. And then when I actually made the transition out um, from, from Tucson to Japan, I just felt really, really overwhelmed yeah. and really depressed. Yeah. The depression lasted for about two weeks, and it was related to the loss of the identity. Sure. That's when it hit me the worst, yeah. where I was like, my God, what am I doing? What have I done? Um, Not only that, you've there, moved halfway around the world on top of that. So, I mean, it's yeah. just like compounded. I can't, I can't imagine. How much harder can I make this for myself? Yeah. After two weeks of feeling really depressed and like, what on God's green earth did I just do? Um, I had two weeks of like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. I can do this. And then from the second month to the fourth month, so a, a span of three months was just really, really healing and lovely and good. Yeah. I just rested. I relaxed. I met new people. I was, I, I let go of that. I let go of 80% of that identity as a nurse practitioner. It stopped hurting so bad that I wasn't able to say like, oh, my work is my service. My work is my mission and all these things that came behind having that. And I was just able to be myself and not have any expectations of myself or anybody else and just allow myself to be present. And that was very nourishing and very positive. And after those two, three months, when I really felt like, all right, so I'm, I've detoxed the nurse practitioner thing. I'm, I'm living in Japan. I'm kind of cool with that. Like, I don't really want to go back. What's next? Yeah. And so then I dove into the next thing, which was like, what's this whole digital nomad thing? How can I do this? And then I fell into the sales job and I, and kind of the rest was history. Yeah. And actually, Samantha, that leads perfectly into my next question. So it sounds like you had to do uh, it almost sounds like you had to do a, a mental or spiritual detox of your, your prior uh, identity before you could move forward. So at what point did things start to align for you. It sounds like, you know, you were able to, to really, really be at peace with yourself, but was there a a definable moment that you remember where the light bulb went off and you, you realized, you know what, I am now on the path that I'm meant to be on. 
Kind of. I mean, for me, I have a lot of different interests and a lot of different things I do really well. Mm -hmm. And I would I would still be happy to go back to being a nurse practitioner and I would still enjoy it. And it was very fulfilling. Yeah. Uh, But I know now that I don't have the um, interest or capacity to do it full time or to do it in the position where I was. Mm -hmm. So I now know that about myself. And um, I would say that during the transition, man, that was really rough on my ego. The six months before and the six months after, egotistically speaking, was really, really a challenge for me. Um, after about six months out, like I really didn't have to think about it every day all the time. And I started just being like, all right, I'm going to do the sales thing. It was six months of me doing sales before I felt even comfortable with it. Yeah. It was a year of doing sales before I genuinely felt good in my skin because I had so many limiting beliefs and uncomfortabilities. There's another neologism for the day. I just, I felt uncomfortable about identifying. Not only did I give up my identity as a nurse practitioner in one of the poorest neighborhoods in one of the poorest communities with people who don't speak English, don't have any education, don't have insurance, don't have any money, and um, don't know anything about health. But now I'm doing sales? Mm. Oh, my God! Like, oh. <laughs> Which I imagine in uh, the world you came from, it might be a dirty word. Absolutely. Yeah. So it took me a year of doing sales. And, the, and this was pretty, uh, pretty impactful sales. Like, we were helping... Uh, medical researchers get um, people, participants into their medical trials Mm -hmm. to improve, you know, diabetes treatment or to improve high blood pressure treatment. And there were some things about it that were not necessarily impactful for the world, but like we were improving the the scientific knowledge in the world and helping these medical things get done. Like it was still pretty, you know, pretty high up on the impact scale, but man, I was just dying Mm. for a year until my the shift for me was when I started figuring out that part of it was because I, I switched jobs like mm-hmm. that that job was not inherently impactful for me I was bringing about an impact but until I started doing my own coaching and I started talking to other people about how does it work when so the only things that I sell now and really then too but now especially are things that are going to be impactful for an individual a group or the world yeah. like where i can sink my teeth into in, into the impact that's going to happen because when i have that as a fundamental base for what i'm doing and what i'm selling it's about making the world a better place absolutely so absolutely. i do sales like i do i do different kinds of coaching i have a client right now that i'm doing sales coaching with and she does transformational life coaching for a particular subgroup of people and me helping improve her money mindset and her knowledge around sales and her business model is making the world a better place. Yeah, that's fantastic. Absolutely. I have another client right now who's doing relationship coaching where she doesn't re- she's not ready to shine her light on the world and I'm like, "Hey, let's talk about your stuff so that you can feel good so that you can be in a relationship feels very impactful." I have another client who I'm working with that where it's um, more personal life coaching stuff. And she's got this huge vision that I want to help her bring into play. Like when I'm talking about that stuff, most coaches and entrepreneurs are really scared to ask for money, especially when it's their own personal services. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. It's yeah. still hard, but, but I love it. Like yeah. having those conversations where I'm like, Hey, if you want to coach other people, you know, 
here's what it looks like to have a conversation around money and have a conversation around what does this look like for you? And, you know, I'm going to tell you what I think I'm worth and I'm just going to like, you know, put it out there. And then we have, you know, the difficult conversation around it because it's hard for everybody. But like having those conversations with people and even if people don't work with me, like my goal when I talk to somebody in a sales conversation, whether it's with the, the, you know, I'm working with a startup right now also to help them sell their uh, career change courses or my own coaching are my two main things right now, whether I'm doing the one or the other, like I'm helping people change their lives. And my number one competitor is not another coach. It's not another school. And my goal is not to get somebody to work with me or my company. My goal is for the other, the other person on this phone call to experience a genuine transformation mm-hmm. through the course of our call. Yeah. And they will be ready to take action. I love it. Whether it's, do coaching, whether it's do the course, I don't care what it is, but I want to see you, the other person that I'm genuinely interacting with and showing up for, be ready to show up for yourself and jazzed up to take action on something. Absolutely love it. Fantastic. And what a great, great story and a blueprint for moving forward. Well, Samantha, are you ready for the knowledge burst session? So ready. Let's do it. Well, Samantha, I'm excited to ask you. I'm going to switch it up just a little bit. I mean, you've hit on something that is really important. And I think this is a struggle that a lot of entrepreneurs have, myself included. When you're going out on your own and you're making that transition from maybe being in a vocation or in a career to selling your services – and for some people, that's a very uncomfortable area to go. And as you mentioned, it's great that you love going in that area. So what do you think is one of the most important considerations to really think about when you're really struggling with that whole idea of, of sales and pricing your services and your value? When you are struggling with pricing your services and your value, you need to ignore everybody else except for yourself. Ah. The first thing you need to do, well, in sales, and okay, selling yourself as a coach, for example, like you think that the sale is actually selling your coaching to the other person. Absolutely not. The first sale is to yourself as a coach Mm. or as an entrepreneur. I am an entrepreneur. I am a coach. That is the number one thing you have to believe in. If you don't believe that, ignore everything else because that's where your attention needs to go. Fantastic. Uh, Samantha, I'm excited to ask you, as a digital nomad, do you have a particular resource? And a resource can be anything. It could be a mobile app, it could be a pen and paper, or it could be a practice that has really been beneficial for you balancing your work and you know your travel. Hands down, daily meditation. Oh. I use the Headspace app. That's they a give it free one. 10 days. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I've got a streak of like 500 and some days. Like it just that revolutionized my life. Oh, fantastic. And Samantha, I'm excited to ask you. I mean, you've gone through this, and it sounds like you, you incorporate a lot of the practices now to prevent this, but we all have those moments where we need to just step away, recharge, and reboot. Uh, how do you do that? I mean, what do you like? I mean, and you mentioned meditation, so maybe that's that's part of it. But what do you do when you really need to refresh? The number one is meditation. I have a daily meditation practice. It's the first thing I do before I even get out of bed. Okay. Um, I have my phone on airplane mode, so it doesn't bother me. But I do a, a guided meditation every day. Uh, the second thing that I do to refresh is to spend time in nature, or at least outside to go for a walk. I mean, this is the same as with a being a nurse practitioner too. Like sometimes your lunch is two minutes long yeah. and I would get up and get out and go outside and go for a short walk. And number three is being 
genuinely aware of my needs. Um, at the moment, you know, we just, just mentioned it a little bit earlier. I'm taking uh, my first true offline vacation. I'm going to be out oh, for fantastic. two weeks in, oh my gosh, I don't even know how long. Um, but it's really about listening to my inner voice and what it tells me I need and honoring that. I absolutely love it. Hey, Moving Forward listeners, you can find links to many of the books and resources mentioned by today's guest, along with offers to try out Audible and Amazon Prime. These are affiliate links for which I receive a small commission, which helps the podcast and is greatly appreciated. You can find these on the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. Samantha, are you ready to do a little time travel? I'm ready to time travel. I'm excited. We're going to step into a time machine. So this is going to be a little bit of a different type of travel than you're used to. And we're going to visit your past self. You're going to pick a time, in fact, when you had a difficult decision to make. Maybe it was at that time when you were getting ready to leave uh, as a nurse practitioner to transition into a completely unknown future. What is one piece of advice that you would give your past self that would have really helped you out back then? (laughs) You know, I've given this advice to many other people, and it's one of those things where it's easy to give and and hard to take. (laughs) Um, Big, scary decisions. Yes, you can do your due diligence. Yes, you need to have the thinking and the feeling and all of the things. But almost every single big decision is much scarier to make than it is to do. Mm. So do whatever you have to do to prepare yourself. And then when you decide to just do it, do it and let it be done. And here's the flip side. I think you almost hinted at it, but how do you think your past self would have responded to that advice? Oh, Lord. Oh, no, we need to make another checklist first. (laughs) Pro con list. I've only got three. I need another one. Yeah. Does anybody have any paper? (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciate your candor. Really, really fantastic. Well, Samantha, how can our listeners connect with you and learn about all of the fantastic work that you're doing? There's three easy places to get a hold of me. The first one is samalvarez.com. Another is my LinkedIn profile, Samantha Alvarez. And the third is on my Facebook. Awesome. And we'll have all of those on the write-up. Well, Samantha, I would love to have you close out the show. So using about three to five words, what parting wisdom would you like to pass on to moving forward listeners? Live your heart on fire. I love that. Live your heart on fire. And I love the way you enunciated every single word because there's every single one was so important. I absolutely love it. Well, Samantha, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, especially as you're getting ready to travel again and to share your story and your knowledge burst so that our listeners can move forward. Thank you so much, Samantha. It is a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, John. And one more time, Moving Forward listeners, check it out, bemovingforward.com. Follow us on social, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, at bemovingforward. Merry Christmas to those who celebrate, and happy holidays to all of you Moving Forward listeners. Join us next Tuesday for another extraordinary guest. Have a great week. Have a great holiday. And remember, always be moving forward. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and Bali Solutions, LLC. All rights reserved.